The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. It is a great joy this winter morning to welcome you to Marsh Chapel, whether you are here in person, listening live over the radio at 90.9 WBUR, or over internet signals at WBUR.org, or listening later to the podcast at bu.edu slash chapel. We welcome particularly this morning our preacher, Mr. Soren Hessler, Chapel Associate for Undergraduate Ministry here at Marsh Chapel. Soren has received four degrees from Boston University thus far, including a bachelor's and three master's degrees. And he is now hard at work on a PhD in practical theology at the School of Theology. At last, a terminal degree. We welcome him to the pulpit this morning in the partnership of the gospel. Now let us stand as we are able in the praise of God. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns 
one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Because God is merciful, we are saved through the water of rebirth and the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. But through sin we have fallen away from our baptism. Let us return to the Lord and renew our faith in the divine promises by confessing our sins in penitence through the singing of the Kyrie. Dear friends, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, Into what were you baptized? They answered, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were about 12 of them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Let us say together verses from Psalm 29 with the Antiphon. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syria like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his Now let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. According to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. Glory to you, O Lord. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 
Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Good morning. It is a wonderful honor to address you from this pulpit. I share my sincere thanks to Dean Hill for the opportunity. Baptisms are often amusing events for a family and indeed in a whole church community. A wily uncle takes guesses from a host of cousins about whether their baby cousin will squeal when the pastor pours water on her head. A congregation quietly wonders if the new pastor has the touch to hold a squirmy child and pour water at the same time. When the pastor's less than motherly touch turns the squirming to a whimper, congregants smile and whisper to one another that the young pastor will improve when he has children of his own someday. And for that young pastor, the terror of attempting to hold a squirming infant, recite a prayer, and pour water at the same time soon gives way to shared smiles with the child's family when the fantastic juggling act is over. The sight of a child's baptism is sure to bring a smile or two, if only for the odd spectacle of the occasion. Do you remember your baptism? Do you remember being thrust underwater in a baptismal font, a community pool, a river, maybe a lake? Maybe you had water sprinkled on your head. Perhaps all you remember is the water. But that occasion was about a whole lot more than water. The place may or may not have been familiar, but certainly the people surrounding you on that special occasion were. A parent, godparents, an aunt, an uncle, grandparents, close friends. However, for many of us, our memories of baptism are not our own. We were baptized as infants. Our parents or other special people in our lives made a commitment to God and to the church to nurture us. They promised through their teaching and example in our lives that we might be guided to accept God's grace for ourselves and profess our faith openly. Perhaps these words of commitment are familiar to you as you shared in the joy of the baptism of a loved one. Your memories of baptism may come from hearing a crying infant alarmed by the surprising sprinkling of water or through seeing a young person emerge astonished from the water of a family swimming pool. Perhaps you yourself have committed to nurture a child in the church 
so that by your own teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves and profess their faith openly. Or perhaps you are able to recall your own baptism. You freely accepted a special relationship with God and the church universal. You entered into a covenant. You assented to a series of questions. They sounded something like these. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to all people of all ages, nations, and races? I do. According to the grace given to you, will you remain a faithful member of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representative in the world? I will. But you were not likely the only one asked a question or two that day. The community gathered around you was probably asked as well. Do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? And they responded, we do. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this person now before you in your care and surround this person with a community of love and forgiveness? And they responded, we will. Your baptism marked not only your commitment to God and to the church, but also that community's commitment to you. Churches come in all shapes and sizes, and chances are that you will encounter and be joined to a handful or more in your life. I know Marsh Chapel to be one of those places. Marsh Chapel sees itself as a particular community of support to a particular demographic of persons, students, but also offers its support to the wider community, to anyone who is seeking authentic Christian community. I say this by way of invitation, especially to those who are listening on the radio or via the internet. We at Marsh Chapel are delighted to be in relationship with you by phone or email or in physical presence as the Spirit allows. Whether you entered into the sacrament as an infant, a young person, or an adult, baptism binds you to God in love through mutual commitment. We here at Marsh Chapel affirm that relationship and seek to support your spiritual journey. And for those who wish to learn more about the sacrament, and a relationship with God. We are a community of support and love. Baptism is more than a simple dedication of one's life to God. In baptism, God offers the gift of God's unfailing grace for us to accept. 
This first Sunday following the Epiphany has historically been used by the church to reflect upon the great gift of grace we received at Christ's birth. The angels of our gospel lessons only two weeks ago have returned to their heavenly abode. The shepherds have returned to the fields to tend their sheep. The wise men have presented their gifts, mounted their animals, and begun the long sojourn back east. And now, the liturgical calendar condenses Jesus' first 30 years of life into a week. Jesus' childhood is largely absent from the gospel accounts. In the Gospel of Mark, we fast forward through Jesus' childhood, adolescence, and young adulthood, and find him standing at the edge of the River Jordan. We know very little about Jesus' first 30 years of life, and we know even less about the community which supported Jesus during those 30 years. But we know there are people who surrounded him, shared happy occasions with him, grieved with him. He was formed by a community, Mary, Joseph, and many, many others, and it was that community which helped him be prepared to go to the Jordan. We, too, need a community of support to prepare us and to form us for the journey of life. In Mark's account, John the Baptist serves as herald for Jesus, his ministry, and the great gift he offers humanity. John the Baptist, the wild man living in the desert, wearing animal skin and eating locusts, was proclaiming good news to all of Israel, inviting them to repentance of sins and foretelling of the good gift of God's real presence with us in the Holy Spirit. Mark writes of John the Baptist's description of Jesus, The one who is coming is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. But soon the one whom John was proclaiming appeared on the river's edge to greet John and to be baptized. This powerful prophet, divine healer, the one about whom John had been preaching, was coming to the Jordan to be baptized. The perfect, most powerful son of God did not have any need to repent of anything and be baptized. Rather, he asked for baptism for the sake of others. Jesus took part in John's baptism by water to be united with all people who earnestly seek to be in relationship with God. In Jesus' baptism, God acted in a very powerful, very visible way. The heavens were torn apart, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and rested on Jesus. This visible sign of God's presence with Jesus in his baptism is part of God's promise of the Spirit's presence with us in our baptism. In the sacrament of baptism, we remember Jesus' own baptism. We are baptized by water for repentance of sins and baptized by the Spirit in covenant relationship with God. In trust of God's continued covenant with all baptized persons, 
we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, acknowledging in the sacrament that the individual being baptized accepts a special relationship with the divine and desires God's already present grace. While we may not see the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending in baptism, we know and trust that God is fully present in the sacrament and in the lives of all people. John Wesley taught that in baptism, a person was cleansed of the guilt of original sin, initiated into the covenant with God, admitted into the church, made an heir of the divine kingdom, and spiritually born anew. A lot is going on in the few moments of baptism. Sometimes we don't realize the full wonder and mystery of the moment. Perhaps that has been our own experience of baptism. Have we felt the full wonder of the miracle of the sacrament? Have we felt cleansed, initiated into covenant with God, received into the church, made heirs of the kingdom, born anew? Sometimes as we go through life, we don't always recognize the gravity and magnitude of the events unfolding around us until after they've happened. For many in this nave, college graduation might be one of those moments that we didn't fully comprehend as it unfolded. A young man received a diploma last May, but it wasn't until August 1st and a new job that he fully appreciated days of sleeping until 10.30 for class. Now, baptism is certainly a more deeply transformational experience than a college graduation. Perhaps you are still contemplating its meaning in your own life. Whether you were baptized last Easter or decades ago as an infant, baptism is more than our pledge and dedication to God and to the church. It is our very acceptance of God's grace the opportunity to be in communion with the divine, to experience forgiveness and reconciliation, to fellowship in and with the Holy Spirit. Through baptism, we come to know the assurance of pardon offered in the gift of Christ's life. Here at Marsh, we include in the liturgy an assurance of pardon as a reminder of the gift God freely gives and which we accepted and baptism. Each week during the service, you hear a member of the ministry staff share this good news saying either, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or on Sundays when communion is celebrated, we hear, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. This is meant to be an ongoing reminder of the gift we receive through Jesus Christ. Indeed, if we earnestly repent and accept God, we are forgiven. Accepting God's gift of love is at the heart of our passage from Acts today. The disciples that Paul encounters in Ephesus 
had repented of their sins, but had not accepted the Spirit, their baptism was incomplete. They had not heard the totality of the good news of Christ's baptism. Through it, they could join in the fellowship with the divine, be born anew, given a fresh start. And in the sacrament of baptism, we are joined in this fellowship, born anew, given a fresh start. During the Christmas season, the hustle and bustle, the traveling, visiting relatives, the special gift of God's, the special gift that God gives to us, that is, forgiveness and fellowship, may not have been at the forefront of our minds. Perhaps we didn't think of it at all. Perhaps in quiet and lonesome moments, we longed for fellowship and did not experience what we had hoped for. I think that very often when we are journeying through Advent in expectation of the celebration of the birth of the infant, we lose sight of the gift that the infant brings. In Christ's birth, life, and ministry, God does come to dwell among us, to be with us. Is God's presence with us the gift that we seek at Christmas? I challenge you that as we begin a new liturgical season, and as we begin a new year, that the gift we ought to seek is God's true and real presence with us. So often during Christmas and this season, we hear about Emmanuel, God with us, God born into the world as a babe in a stable and laid in a manger. Indeed, God was made flesh in Jesus and dwelt among us. But God continues to be with us through the Holy Spirit. In baptism, we invite God to be with us in a very special way. We commit ourselves to God and know that God will be with us during all of life's trials and toils. We trust that in the Spirit whose presence we accept in baptism, God will be our constant companion and supporter. God does not abandon God's covenant with us, even if we wander from it. The Spirit remains steadfast, chasing after us as a tireless friend, even when we turn away. Perhaps you wish to renew that relationship with the Spirit today. Perhaps you wish to think more about accepting the gift of relationship with God for the first time. If you've not received the sacrament of baptism and feel moved to closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and seek to experience God's grace through the sacrament, I encourage you to speak with me or another member of the chapel staff following the service or to call or email the chapel office this week and ask to speak with a member of the ministry staff about receiving the sacrament. For those who have received baptism and who wish to renew their relationship with God, I invite you to renew your baptismal vows now, to recommit yourself to God and to accept the presence of the Spirit in your life anew. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, 
We are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism, acknowledge what God is doing for us, and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. So, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you now, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, respond, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, respond, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to all people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, please respond, I do. According to the grace given to you, will you remain a faithful member of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representative in the world? If so, respond, I will. We remember our baptism and are thankful. May the Holy Spirit work within us that having been born through water and the Spirit, we may live as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ and be assured of God's love for all people. Amen.
please be seated. As we are called to prayer through the singing of Lead Me, Lord, we invite you to pray in the ways that you are so moved to best support the prayers of this congregation. Stand or kneel at the altar rail, lift your hands, stand in place, however you are so moved by the Spirit this morning. I will set the intention, and then I will say, in your grace, if you would please respond, hear our prayer. Dearly beloved, let us pray together. are one, you who are three, one God in perfect community. At the beginning of this new year, we who are created in your image are glad and grateful for your presence with us as source of all life and Christ and spirit, for your encouragement by your gifts and fruits in our lives for your empowerment to grow in love and to choose the good. In your grace of invitation and inclusion, we pray for ourselves as individuals and for the communities of which we are a part, for our particular ministries in the world, for our ministry in and through Marsh Chapel and the Office of Religious Life, for the work of all the church. In your grace, hear our prayer. With and for our cousins and neighbors in faith traditions not our own, and with and for all people of goodwill, for the works of blessing, courage, and peace in and through us all for the life of the world. In your grace, Hear our prayer. For the nations and peoples of the world, for the leaders amongst them, and for the ways of peace amongst us all, in your grace, hear our prayer. For creation, for our earth and air and water, for our companion animals and plants, in your grace, hear our prayer. For those who disagree with us and those who wish us harm, 
and for all those who we ourselves have injured or offended. In your grace, hear our prayer. For those individuals and communities who face particular challenges of mind, body, spirit. In your grace, hear our prayer. For those who have died, for their family and friends, for your will fulfilled in them, and for our sharing with all your saints in the life to come. In your grace, hear our prayer. For the celebrations and joys of our human life, in your grace, hear our prayer. In all these things we pray in trust, as you pray with us in your compassion too deep for words. Amen. And continuing in our prayer together, as our Lord Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel once again this Sunday morning and hope you'll take a moment to put your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. Please do pass the pad along to your neighbors so we can get to know them too. We would offer a special welcome this morning to our guest choir in Coro Novo under the direction of Dr. Therese Provenzano. We welcome them here as they offer our anthem and offertory and lead the choral music this morning. We would note the upcoming on uh, January 16th at 1 p.m. in the George Sherman Union, our annual Boston University Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day commemoration. We hope you can join us for that. Again, it's on Monday, January 16th, Martin Luther King Day at 1 p.m. in Metcalf Hall. We would encourage you to keep an eye to the chapel website as we head into the new semester beginning on January 17th uh, for all of our upcoming services and activities, along with the opportunity for online giving to be found at bu.edu chapel. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Divine Creator, who is present with us in the Spirit, receive and bless these gifts to the service of your church and world. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. Amen. Amen. 